Welcome to another edition of Our Value, the Insulators Podcast. I'm Travis Pancake, sales and trainer here at the corporate office in Tranhassen, Minnesota. Sitting here with my co-host, Don Clymer. Don, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. So, Don, what is it you say you do around here? We're still trying to figure that out after 15 years, but uh, on a good day, I'm managing our spray foam division. Yeah. You look a little tired today, Travis. Yeah, we've got some customers in here uh, for training all week, and, well, you have to entertain. Yes, you do. Part of the job. So coming up on today's show, we are going to be talking everything HFO. We have Comores here. We have Joyce Wallace and Ernie Wysong. Was it Wysong? And Joyce has been with Comores for over 30 years. And same with Ernie. Joyce is the marketing North American marketing manager for Comores, formerly DuPont. Um, she was instrumental in the market development and commercialization of the new low GWP blowing agent Option 1100, which recently received the CPI Innovation Award in October of 2017. Ernie is a graduate of Caltech. I think we have our first doctor on the show today, Travis. So I've got this condition, Ernie. Not that kind of doctor. If it hurts, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Great advice. He started out uh, with DuPont, uh, now Comores, as a research chemist. Transitioned into a technical service consultant and is now the global technology leader for Option walls and panels. That is a mouthful. So why are we? Why do we have these guys with us today? Well, we want to talk about the HFOs, why the change in the industry, which states are adopting it, how what does it mean for our listeners, um, how is it going to affect our customers' daily business, and is a HFO really that different from uh, the current product? Uh, but Travis. Yes. Who's bringing us today's show? Well, we have the uh, ID I wanted to promote, the service centers. We have three locations across the United States, one in Montana, Tulsa, and a new location in Boston, up and running. Uh, you can find more information on those service centers at the uh, IDI website, idi-insulation.com. Well, let's get right into the interview. Welcome, Joyce and Ernie. Thanks for coming. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, so... This is new to everybody, right? First podcast? Sure is. All right. So to break the ice a little bit, we're just going to kind of ask some fun questions, not industry or market related. Um, Rapid fire. Boom, boom, boom. They're easy. We'll go easy. Um, I changed them up based on our conversation at dinner last night. Um, Now we're really in trouble. Yes. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So Wimbledon was just on. Were you uh, a big rooter for uh, Coco? Yes, that was fantastic. Did 15 you watch all years. Of it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I did watch some of it. Crazy. She's going to be around for a while. I she think is. so. I think so. Yep. Then the other one is uh, who's going to be Georgia's te- Georgia Tech's biggest challenge in getting the ACC championship? Oh my, that is a good question. Oh, I'm not even sure how to answer it. They open up with Clemson, so we got to get past that oh, first. Boy. So that's going to be yeah. crazy. Hey, if, if they win that one, the season's good. Yeah, thank you. And they go back to Temple, so that's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah. So, Ernie. Yes. Is it dancing or piano? Both. Both. Oh, yeah. What kind of dancing? Right now, I do all kinds of dancing, but uh, tango dancing, I must admit, is the passion. Now, is this for exercise or because you just like to dance? Primarily because I like to dance. But a side benefit is you get a lot of good exercise. <laughs> How long have you been doing that? I've been doing it now for 10 years. Really? 
Yeah, and I'm still working on it. That's something you can continue to get better the rest of your life. You never want to see me on the dance floor. Just, just ask my wife. A doctor that tango dances. That's yeah. a first. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so let's talk a, a little bit of, of your guys' career history. Um, Joyce, we'll start with you if you just kind of want to start us how you got into this business and how you've trans- transitioned into the role you have now. Okay, great. Uh, it's a, a bit of a long path. Uh, 38 years with DuPont, now Comores. Started in finance. I was finance manager for many years. Got into sales, sold some TIO2, and then in 2008 went into the floor chemicals business. And since then have been responsible for commercializing our low GWP products. So it's been a lot of fun. It's always fun to be part of change and, yeah. and have good products. We're committed to innovation. So it's kind of fun to see what's next and keep moving it through. Sure. How do you make the transition from finance to marketing? Yeah, I get that <laughs> Those question. Those two don't usually go it's hand like in hand. It's like a tango dancing doctor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I get that question a lot. I, I don't know. You know, I just love, what I love is my customers, right? And right. I love to work on things that make a difference. And it just turned out to be sales and marketing was a much better fit. I was but say, it's good to have the finance background. Your, your personality fits marketing a lot more than finance, it seems. See, here at IDI, the financial division and the sales division are like total opposite. Opposites. So it's a kind of an interesting transition. Yeah, yeah the really finance is. department is a lot more fun. Right. <laughs> right. I don't believe that. <laughs> Dr. Ernie. Yes. How about you? How did I get started in this business? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been, I was in DuPont for 25 years in various uh, jobs of polymer science. And uh, then about seven, eight years ago, they asked me to come over to the floral products uh, area said, we got something really interesting and really great. We're working on these next-generation materials. They're going to help you know, the, the world. And I said, sounds like something for me. And uh, it has been a fascinating journey, I must admit. And the world of polyurethanes and spray foams and everything is really interesting and exciting. So I'm glad to be a part of that. Awesome. Awesome. So you got DuPont Comores. Talk to me a little bit about that. The, it's Comores. Yes, it was. It is Comores. Comores was spun off from Dupont in 2015, okay. July of 2015, and so we are a totally separate company. Uh, and it was it was a pretty interesting transition. Uh, being with Dupont 33 years, change is always hard, sure. but it's been exciting. Uh, we kind of look at it as we were a 200 year old startup company. So you can take all the good that you have from this big giant company. How old? A 200-plus-year-old. Oh, wow. Event. I didn't realize that. So you take the legacy of yeah. Camor- or of DuPont, and you transition to Camors, and you're a little more nimble, quicker to market, committed, closer-knit family, smaller sure. organization, but still large. So, yeah, it's been great. Oh, that's, I, I did not know that history. Yeah, we just had Bullard in 121 years, but you're saying over 200 yeah, years. Yeah, over that's, 200 wow. years. All right, so let's talk HFOs, the change, the the misconceptions, uh, the truths, the myths, the facts all about it, because you talk to some contractors out there, our listener base, and some of them have an idea, some have never heard of it, and some are all over it. So talk about the, maybe we start with the history, what what the blowing agents started as, they why they transitioned, we're at currently 245 to, to the HFOs, I think it was a 141 at the beginning. Can we talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. So if you go back more than uh, 40 years ago, actually it was the CFC 11, they call it, it was the starting of this chlorofluorocarbon. And it was really good. And 
The reason people want fluorochemicals in a spray foam is because they have excellent insulation performance, they're non-toxic, non-flammable, and they, they last for you know long, long time. So it's excellent. But the trouble was the original one started having issues with ozone depletion. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. We talked about that. So, yeah. so they had to start transitioning, getting away from the chlorines that they had in that molecule. That's where you got this, what they called it the 141B. That was the second sure. generation. And then they got to the third generation. No more chlorines. They call them the HFCs, like they're using uh, today. Everybody's happy. But then they find out that they, because they are a good insulator, they also contribute to global warming. That Al Gore. Oh. Come on. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. So, no politics on this show, please. <laughs> so then that, is, then that is why we've had to go on to the fourth generation. Now, how can we have all those benefits that yeah. these fluor chemicals can bring, but without ozone depletion and without global warming? And so you would make a molecule with a double bond, an olefin. That's where that name comes from. Okay. And that greatly reduces its lifetime in the atmosphere and gives it a very low global warming potential. So reducing the lifetime, what, what's the lifetime of the current 245 chemical versus the HFO? Years versus days. Oh, you're kidding. And that makes all the difference. Yeah, without any depletion of uh, insulation qualities? Well, this is the magic, is that when these olefins are out in the atmosphere, daylight, you know, hydroxyl radicals, ozones, everything, they don't last for very long. But when they're inside a foam, they last for many years, decades and beyond. Okay. So, it's so it where kept they the are. quality, but made it safer for the environment, essentially. Exactly. The HFO is a 99.7% reduction in global warming. So it's significant, okay. right? It's Yeah, that's huge. It's a step Why change. Why everybody want to adopt that then? Good Why, question. You know, <laughs> Very it sounds good like question. something we should all be doing, you know. And I know there was a, an initiative to do so. And, yeah. you know, we got to that uh, threshold and now it's six states, I think, that are required. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, the, the adoption was going to be January 1st, right, 2020. And now it's changed. So what, what caused that change? Why, why are only some states now? So f for spray foam, yep. the, ch the change was January 1st, 2020. And the EPA had issued two rules, SNAP Rule 20 and SNAP Rule 21, that most people are familiar with, that were leading up to this major change. And it was a complicated path, right? Probably best to leave it at that. There were court cases, challenges. The end result was that the EPA needs to go back and rewrite those rules, make a few changes. But meanwhile... It takes a long time to invest and formulate, make changes to be ready for such a change, right? You know sure. the credentials. So it's a, a well-thought-out process that needs to take time. Meanwhile, so the states really started to step up and do it on their own. California leading the pack. They Always. certainly, yes, yeah. they certainly have uh, pretty aggressive goals on emissions and greenhouse gas reductions. So they said... Hey, look, EPA has already given us the format. We're going to adopt that and, and incorporate that in our state regulations. So there, it wasn't long. The, uh, there is uh, quite a few. It's called the Climate Alliance, and there's quite a few states that have signed on to do state regulations uh, based on HFCs. So is there a place where our listeners could go to see which states uh, have adopted and are, what stage they are in adoption, or is that just up to a state level? 
Um, it gets a uh, we can we can provide that. Yeah, okay. we do keep things on our website to help because it's ever changing. I guess that's the challenge. Sure. But for and we sure, get a lot of questions about it too. Yeah, and yeah. We'll, so we'll put that link on our website or in the description of this uh, this iPod. I, Podcast. podcast thank you blah, blah, blah. and uh um, which you can listen to on an ipod if you want thank absolutely. you thank you um so they can go back and check that not to interrupt but no, just uh, want to give them resources and we update that quarterly because okay. it is ever-changing but to answer your question california led the way uh there's at least 16 other states that have joined the climate alliance and where we have come from is california washington state and now vermont all have regulations in place. Now, does that require them to have an HFO foam then, or is it just you have the option to use it and you still, you know, you, you could still use a 245, or is there, they're saying HFO only? In their states, they will not be able to use 245. So they have adopted SNAP uh, as written uh, for the most part, so that uh, following those dates, they can't use it. So that creates a lot of chaos, right? It does. Depending Absolutely. on your distribution. So, yeah, I have a question on that. So if we have a contractor, who doesn't live in Vermont, but drives in there to do a job, he, he can use 245 in the neighboring state, and he has that on his trailer, but he has HFO product also. Can he get in trouble if he brings 245 into that state, but is not spraying it on that job? Because, you know, our contractors will carry two to three sets on a truck at a time, depending on the job. So can he, is it still legal to have that on there or... How are they policing Yeah, I, I would be, uh, I think it's going to come down to really segregating your inventory because it's if you have it on the truck, you're going to run the risk that there could be some kind of error. Sure. And it will not be allowed to be used in those states. Those states are going to grow. There's already New York, Maryland, Connecticut, uh, New Jersey all have proposed regulations that are working their way through the system. So uh, I think most folks, the system houses we work with, that's where the challenge is around managing their foam formulation, where their warehouses are, and they're not going to run the risk to put any foam in any of those states. Uh, so as you start to get more and more states, I think you're going to see that drive. We're already seeing folks that either are driving to HFOs because of the complexity of managing inventory and two, being a differentiator, right? Hey, if it's coming, why not be first and help your customers be different and contribute to the positive low global warming potential? I know as a company, we had a big initiative to get yeah. a bunch of HFOs and some of the ways that we were doing that was increased yields, uh, the safety of it all. We talked about that with Dr. Ernie a little bit, but then it kind of fell apart. You know, it kind of went. Yeah, last steam. Uh, you know, because it was it was a hard charge, you know, January 1. And so what we wanted, <clears throat> excuse me, we didn't want our contractors for the first time spraying it December 15th and trying for to dial sure. it in. So we were trying to get ahead of the curve. And now, like Travis said, it lost a little steam. We're still we're still promoting it and, and saying, hey, this is coming. You might as well adopt it. But there's some there is a little pushback from it because it. It's more expensive. And I will say that those that uh, did buy into it and are spraying an HFO, they have seen uh, the benefits of it, uh, just the sprayability of it, obviously the increased yield by, you know, just the factor of uh, the chemistry in it, as, as you talked about. But um, it just seems to be a cleaner foam. I don't know if that's by the, you know, by the way it's created or the fact that it's just easier on the equipment because you can spray it at lower temps and, you know, whatever other factors. Um, so I, I'm surprised that more haven't adopted uh, the, the HFO, uh, and specifically in Minnesota, um, we use a lot of closed cell foam. Um, it seems to do 
better in the in the cell in a closed cell foam. I'm not so certain about about an open cell just because we don't spray it a lot. But so because I and I know the HFO there's no blowing agent in a in an open right. cell foam, but well let, some of the hybrids and things yeah. like that. So yeah, so let's talk about some of the the characteristics and the the values of what the HFO brings to a closed cell foam, higher R value. How, how is that achieved? Well, in the case of, uh, of our HFO, and that's something we should talk yeah, about, talk. is that there are, there are more than one types of uh, HFOs. Not in and, our eyes, Ernie. And HCFOs and other <laughs> things my day. floating out there. <laughs> there's, there's the best. There's but our material, the Optane 1100. Um, it is a pure HFO. has no chlorines associated. It's a fluorinated olefin. And the beauty of that molecule is its boiling point is a little bit higher. It's about 92 Fahrenheit. That gives the foam the ability to have sprayability over a wider temperature range. You have better yields because you're not evaporating it. Um, It's very stable in the systems and takes advantage of all the existing formulation knowledge of all the folks out there making these products. So they're able to leverage all that wonderful knowledge and to come up with a product that works even better than the current HFCs, which have lower boiling points. Uh, Why does it have better R value? Well, it also has a very, we call, low solubility. It doesn't want to leave the system. It's happy inside that foam. And guess what? When you put one of the best molecules inside there and it doesn't want to leave, you have this insulation that persists for a very long time. It's like a millennial. They never want to leave home, right? <laughs> never want Careful. to leave home. Yeah. Careful. <laughs> well, that's a proven fact. Yeah. <laughs> so you get higher R value, uh, better yield. Exactly. Right? So if if the, the listeners are out there saying, oh, well, this stuff is you know slightly more expensive, the, the cost per board foot and cost per R is actually lower or about the same, correct? It can be, yes. It can be. Yeah, through the yields, they yeah. can certainly see time is money, right? So yeah. they can they can spray it maybe at thicker passes. They can get higher yields. There's there's all kinds of flexibility that they can see. I think spraying it is the key because the, they're they know what they're doing, right? And yeah. so they'll see a big difference. I think when they compare it, and we hear oftentimes that uh, formulas with Option 1100 spray a lot like 141B, oh, really? but obviously they have the better environmental profile. So yeah. in all these transitions. Sometimes there's trade-offs and you give up some insulating benefits or some other pros and cons. In this particular case, it's actually a as good, if not better, insulator while still making a positive impact on GWP. So that's cool. So it's not just better for the environment. It's better for the contractor. And Yeah. Now, how much of that research, uh, you know, is driven towards, obviously, the environmental impact, but also the improved yields that, you know, obviously affect the contract, the end user spraying it? Is that happen by accident sometimes, or is that like a focus? Like, hey, we want to make a better foam yield better, and the side effect was that it was more, you know, beneficial to the environment, or is that? I'd like to sit back and say that we thought this all out well in advance. <laughs> but Designed. market back design. Yeah. But the fact is that thousands of molecules were examined and screened to try to come up with these replacements. And just a handful, and actually just a couple or so, actually passed all of those tests of, of, of things. And then, then you work with that material and see how much you can get out of it and leverage it. And we were very fortunate that it fell well in our favor in uh, having these benefits. 
Yeah, I think yield, uh, the yield improvement is a definite positive, right? Because it is going to be more expensive. It's going to be another transition for this industry. So being able to get better yields is certainly a positive. Yeah. So how do we help our, our listeners sell this to the home builders? You know, other than just, hey, it's better for the environment. Is there, you know, we got the increased yield. Is there anything, you know, up your sleeve that you can, you know, tell the listeners, hey, this is a, you know, set yourself apart? Well, I think there's there's different, you know, camps, like always. There's folks that um, environmental uh, improvement and sustainability is number one on their list, right? You have these high energy efficient homes. This is a no-brainer for that, right? It fits right in and delivers and hits on all those marks. Energy efficiency is also important. It's important to everybody. They're trying to pay their bills, cut their bills, and so it does deliver that experience you know, superior thermal performance, better insulators. So you really can see the payback with closed cell. So that's important. And in this case, with Option 1100, it really does hit the mark on the energy efficiency. So I think there are two key points that kind of help people say, hey, that, you know, we're starting to see people say, I want the low GWP Option 1100 formula, which is is pretty novel because most people don't even know what blowing agent is in there. So it's kind of starting to to resonate so they're seeing the difference. Yeah, and what I'm seeing is there's there's not one clear message from the manufacturers. You know, each one they might not be using your product. Uh, you know, and so there's confusion in the market. Is there is there a website they can go to for you guys that kind of lays it out more in a clear concise message and has we're, I'm looking at some some resources right now that you brought up. Um, they're great marketing pieces. Where could, you know, we can put them on our website, maybe um, do a joint marketing campaign with it. But before we get there, until we get there, where would they go to get something like this? Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, spent some time because we know this is going to be a big transition for right. folks. So we've spent some time putting together white papers. People kind of freak out at white papers. It's a, a nice, thin, uh, easy to use reference on trying to help make the choices around what insulation, because it really does matter where you live, what kind of building you have and what your objective is on our value. So at Option.com, and we'll make sure these resources available for you as well. There's a couple infographics that talk about payback, talk about energy efficiency, places in the house that maybe make the most sense to use it, whether you're doing renovation. Uh, and then there's some white papers that kind of help walk through it. So we'll definitely make that available. Yeah. And we'll put the links in the, the description, like I said earlier. So, okay, we've had, how many changes has there been in the blowing agents? Is it just a three? This is now the fourth. This, this is, is the, the fourth. fourth and the final generation. Are you sure? Is that your final answer? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, what's next? Because when did they adopt 245? Anybody? Oh, it was back in uh, the early 2000s. I mean, it's been almost uh, 20 years ago okay. was when I first started okay. to come on board. So hopefully we got another 20 years before we have to make a change. <laughs> oh, he said final. I think final. this is it. Okay. I think this you is think it. So? Yeah. When you're when you're uh, seeing a GWP of two, uh, you know now who knows what the next you know we had ozone depleting, we had global warming. What's next? But you know we're always committed to innovation. So sure. if something's changing, we're working on it. Perfect. Never Perfect. know what Al Gore Jr. might bring in. <laughs> hey, I thought politics. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Broke my own rule. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, I think that was great. A lot of great information. Um, you know, the stuff I took away from it was, you know, it's really, it's better for the environment, increased yields, increased our values. It's going to be a more stable product. So even if your state hasn't adopted it yet, it's going to happen at some point in the near future. So you might as well, you know, give it a try, get used to it. 
um, and and see what truly a, a better product could be for you. Yeah, I think you, it's an opportunity to lead as well too. Right. Contractors are out apart. there trying to differentiate. If you have a new product, you're performing better. You have confidence in it. I think uh, it's going to work well in the marketplace. Well, and price it already aside, is. It, you know, the, if the yield increases there and the cost really doesn't make a difference, it does on paper. But you know, when you dial it into the cost per R right. and cost per pound uh, or per board foot, excuse me, it, it really doesn't make a big difference. It just you know, it's going to get you more yield. So. We do like to say that what's behind the wall really does matter. Yeah. And it's an education process. It truly is. It truly is. Well, I really, truly appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you, guys. It was, it was great. Um, Travis, you want to take us away? Yeah. I mean, I want to thank the uh, Tango doctor and the uh, finance marketing <laughs> lady. Uh, so it was great. Uh, both what a the team first we on make. This, on yeah. the show. But, uh Remember to uh, check out the uh, podcast. Uh, I don't think we have a home for them, but we're working on it. But uh, you can check on it at uh, idi-insulation.com and more to come. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the Seller Die Network. For more podcasts that you can take out into the street and turn into money, visit sellerdienetwork.com. <laughs>